Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Williams Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, the Eye of the Tiger. We're going to talk about who had that this weekend, who didn't, and who needs it the rest of the way. Thanks for joining us tonight. If you'd like to call in and weigh in, 646-716-5564. I'm sure I'll have Quinn and Jonathan in the next few minutes. I think Quinn's already with us, so there with us just a few minutes as we get ready for the evening a lot of football to discuss we're gonna we're gonna talk about the big bad lsu Bama game was it all it was cracked up to be were you surprised as you if you listen to this show you you wouldn't be surprised at the outcome of the alabama lsu game notre dame big road test this weekend after another tough road test the week before at temple getting a huge win and possibly being in the top four of the playoff rankings come Tuesday night. We'll see. We'll also discuss the committee's uh, playoff rankings, what we think it's going to be. But, man, oh, man, upset Saturday. This is what it's all about, November, the month of November in college football. This is what separates the men from the boys. And if you look last night at Alabama, those were men out there. Those weren't boys. These were grown men playing the game of football the way it was meant to be played with two weeks off to rest you could tell they were just in another league than LSU due to the fact that LSU plays that kind of offense that plays right in the strengths of Bama if you're going to beat Bama you better have a dual threat quarterback that can throw the ball and run and I just don't think LSU's passing game is strong enough to beat a team like Alabama so Alabama is going to win they won the game a couple touchdowns no surprise there covered the point spread where will they be Tuesday night? I don't think they'll pass Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to stay at two. I think Clemson's going to stay at one. Bama's going to move up to three. I think Notre Dame's going to be four. And I think LSU could possibly only fall to number five because it's a road night game in Tuscaloosa. First loss of the season, everybody's going to lose the game probably. We're going to talk about a lot of things going on with these officials, man, just the Michigan State game, seeing what happened with my own eyes. I picked Nebraska to win that game, but I was so disappointed that the officials took that game away from Michigan State. I want to hear what you think about it, 646-716-5564. Crazy weekend in the NFL, the big game of the day, the Carolina Panthers survived. You know, they, they had this game blown out, dominated the whole entire game we'll talk about. The, the Panthers, 8-0 start. I mean, these you know, every week I hear about the Panthers. Well, let's wait till they play somebody. Well, guess what? They beat Seattle on the road, and everybody was like, oh, it's just Seattle. Now they, they beat Indianapolis last Monday. Oh, it's just Indy. Now they beat Green Bay today, and Aaron Rodgers, well, Green Bay's struggling. So, at the end of the day, the Panthers are 8-0. And we're going to bring on Quinn right now. Quinn, we're going to talk some football tonight. How are you? 
I'm good. It's been a good weekend. It has. Notre Dame and Auburn won, and then uh, the Packers lost, so it's been good. Yeah, think about go Cam Newton. Let's let's start in the NFL right quick. This this Carolina team is starting to gain momentum even more and more. Every time I watch them play, Quinn, I see more of a polished team. I see the defense, the offensive line. I see the running game. Cam Newton mixing it up. This Carolina team is going to be tough to beat, especially if they can get that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And right now, they have a three-game lead over the Packers. Yeah, I think. They they may as long as they don't have a huge uh, collapse. I think the Panthers might actually have a home field advantage locked up. I think. Well, it can change in an injury. You know, Luke Keekley going down a couple times today. You let him miss a few games, which he already has. He already has missed a few games, and they keep winning. But I mean, how good is Carolina, Quinn? I mean, honestly, when you watch them, the eye test, I know a lot of people tell me the eye test, they don't they don't look as good. But all they do is what Auburn did last night is just run down your throat, hit some play-action passes. What can you do? Yeah, they're really good. They're a Super Bowl contender, I'd say for sure. <laughs> I is mean, I don't know why people say they don't look good. But if they keep winning, oh, no, they're doing something right. Well, go back years ago when Cam Newton was in the NFL coming out and what the debate I had on this show with a guy about he was saying Tim Tebow was going to be the better NFL quarterback. Right now I'm just watching it and just laughing, you know, just can't hear it. But the guy's got an excuse every week about why Carolina's winning, you know. Uh, 8-0 right now, you're, you're about guaranteed in the playoffs. And guess what? Atlanta, the Falcons choke another game. You know, this is Atlanta. You got Falcons. I know you're you, you, you're driving around with your flags out today, thinking you know the rainy weather is going to get a win in San Francisco, and you, you got fooled again. Man, Atlanta. I watched them play. Quinn. Three minutes left in the game. They're down four. They kick a field goal from the two yard line. I mean, how gut bad. I mean, it's, yeah, they were down two. Yeah, they're gutless. They're down four points with two fifty eight <laughs> left in the game. Two timeouts, and they kick a field goal to cut it to one. I mean, down from the two-yard line. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's just the Falcons, man. It's just the dumbest stuff. If you want to see dumb stuff done during the game, watch Atlanta. And this team is just imploding. <laughs> I mean, what is that, three or four losses? I can't remember. How many losses do they have? Three Lord. or two? Well, be three. They lost to New Orleans, Tampa, and yeah, then this game goes three. Well, Carolina's got a three-game lead, and they haven't even played them yet. Um, but I mean, I, look, I understand you you try to play defense. You you know you have faith in your kicker, but when you're down by four at the two-yard line, fourth down and goal, go for it, man. I mean, geez, to to think that yeah. you it's hard because you you kick the field goal. Then you gotta hope that they don't get a first down. Where all that matters is with two yards. All you have to do is get two yards to win the football game. I just don't understand the coaching there. That is pitiful, gutless coaching. Just, just gutless. If I was a player, I would not go out there for the field goal. I would have sat out there and looked around stupid until we we snapped the ball to the quarterback. But this is terrible. Tampa Bay right now on the road. Down eighteen twenty three. Colts Denver going on right now. Colts just kicked a field goal to 
to tie or to go up by three in that game. Man, these NFL games have been crazy today, Quinn. Yeah. At the uh, yeah, Saints saw- losing a wild shootout to the two and six Titans, thirty-four to twenty-eight. The Raiders get beat by three at Pittsburgh. Uh, Big Ben goes out again. The Dolphins are or star kiss tuna, as Cuervo says, going getting blown out. I mean, it's just the, I mean, the the football, very high quality football. There's a lot of parity in the NFL this season, Quinn. You watch all these games; every game seems close. Yeah, well, it's like that every season in the NFL, though, for the most part. Yes, yeah, because they want to make sure people lose money gambling. On football, and make sure that the point spread stay intact. But anyway, the Carolina Panthers—that's a big story of the day. They moved to eight and zero. And Quinn, looking at Green Bay's offensive line, man, it looks terrible. I mean, I, I'm crediting Carolina's defensive line. Don't get me wrong, but what's going on in Green Bay? I mean, to get beat like they did in Denver. Well, Seriously, they got beat down the- today. Have have Carolina not let off the gas? Well, they don't. Well, they don't have a defense. So when the so when they run into a good defense, a team and the offense is struggling. They don't have a defense that can help them out. So then, so then the the Packers have to try and play catch up because well, Aaron Rodgers because all you, all you have to do is beat the Packers is have is have a mediocre offense and a good defense. And those those stats for Aaron Rodgers were uh, were all garbage time, man. That was all garbage time. Carolina was up what about twenty twenty four twenty seven points, something like that. And here comes Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Here comes a couple turnovers, and you know you're getting a prevent defense. It's just human nature. And I think Peyton Manning is about to break the record of all time passing yards if he hasn't already. They've got the ball, Denver. Six minutes left on the road at Indy, down three. Let's see if Peyton's got enough left in the tank to to pull another one out. I knew this was going to be a close game after after the blowout against Green Bay. I knew Indianapolis was going to come back. This is a must win for, for Indianapolis. And Indy just picked off Peyton Manning. I don't know if it'll stand. They'll probably review it. The Minnesota Vikings won in overtime, 21-18, I believe, over the Rams. Gurley, 24 rushes, 89 yards, and a touchdown. The Vikings, all of a sudden, Quinn, they're tied for first place in this division that everybody thought Green Bay was going to run away with. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I, I don't know if the Vikings will be able to beat the Packers, though. That's what it'll probably come down to to win the division, so. Well, they have a good defense. Uh, I don't know if it's good enough. Bridgewater, kind of a a quarterback that can move around a little bit. And, you know, Adrian Peterson, hell, he may go off for 350. (laughs) That's what I I thought. But where is Jonathan, man? Where is Jonathan? I know Florida State yesterday got skull drug in Clemson. I know he's he's taking it hard. It's tough right now. But for a Florida State fan, man, you, you're spoiled rotten. That's what's wrong with you. You're, you're spoiled. You, you're not used to losing. You lose the Clemson team. And Quinn, I watched Clemson yesterday, and I do not think they're the best team in the country. What are your thoughts on Clemson, real quick? I don't either. 
and I hope to God if Notre Dame can get in the playoff, they get Clemson because I think Notre Dame's probably on a neutral site. All things considered, is probably could beat them by about ten points. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm not impressed with Clemson. Starting to believe a little bit in Notre Dame. Just watching the way they're playing. That was a tough. I mean, people say Pittsburgh. That was a tough road win this weekend, man. That was a noon kickoff. Notre Dame that never really that game was never close while I was watching it, Quinn. I was watching Notre Dame just carve this defense up. Notre Dame played with them a little bit, but Notre Dame was never in danger of going down. This is a team that I think can beat Stanford because they're just a better all around team. Stanford struggles on defense and that's where Notre Dame's gonna pick them apart. And it's a good thing I think that this game's in Stanford. I think Notre Dame plays better on the road than home. Yeah, if if they can contain Mc, McCaffrey or whatever, I think uh, I think yeah, they could they can go in on the road and beat Stanford. It'll probably be a really really physical game because how the style matchup is. But yeah, I think they could come out of that with a win. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. The playoff committee comes out Tuesday night. What do you think the top four will be from the playoff? Not what do you think they are, but what do you think the committee is going to rank top five? I think it will be one, Clemson, two, Bama, three, Ohio State, four, Notre Dame, five, Baylor. See, I'm going to say Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and I'm going to say LSU stays maybe in the top five because they drop from two, drop three. Maybe they should drop more. Maybe you're right. Baylor is still undefeated. Um, that was LSU's playoff game, really. And the only way we're going to see LSU again in the playoff is if Alabama stubs, stubs their toe and loses again, which is possible at Mississippi State coming up and at Auburn. And let's talk about the Auburn Tigers last night, Quinn. What? Jeremy Johnson, I believe, found out at game time he was going to be the starting quarterback. Safety Trey Matthews out. About an eight-point underdog. Auburn comes into A&M and just dominates them from the first series on. I mean, how impressive was that game last night, watching Auburn finally get off, get the offense going the way Auburn's just miles on? Yeah, it, it was impressive. It was, it was nice to see that Auburn, Auburn played how we thought they would in the preseason. Jeremy played really well. The running game was clicking. It was, it was nice to see. The defense played really well. Well, I'll tell you this. Auburn, and the reason they struggled early in the year, you lose four offensive linemen from a team. You lose the entire backfield. It takes time. I don't care if you have five stars everywhere. It takes time to gel. This team really didn't. I mean, you don't have time really to jail in the SEC, Quinn. You just you come in there and you're up against it from week one, it seems like, on, and you're going to lose a few games trying to find your identity. And once you finally get rolling, you're already out of the playoff. That's why it's, it's so hard to predict. And if you're going to look for predictions in preseason, and I've said it all along, but I got fooled again, too. You have to look at both sides of the football on the lines. And Auburn had it. Uh, it was a healthy Carl Lawson. They have it on the defensive line, but that offensive line was very, very questionable. And I guess everybody thought Gus could fix it overnight. And it, it takes time. But look at the development of this defense too. Let's talk. I mean, we talk about the offense, the defense going into College Station, Quinn, and giving up only ten points. 
I mean, that was something amazing right there. 300 yards to an A&M team that averages about 500 a game. So, very impressed with the defense. Yeah, must Muschamp had a good game plan for Murray and uh, made him into more traditional type of quarterback and didn't let him get on the run much. So, that was the big thing is they didn't let him kill him with his feet. Kevin Sumlin, let's let's talk about him a minute, man. You talk about a coach that went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Every year we see A and M seven and O lot in the world on fire, and then they run into Alabama and get skull drug, and their season's over. <laughs> it's like, are they? Built, I mean, what, what is wrong with Texas A and M? They, they talked about their improved defense, but they still can't stop the run. They, that's the number one key I saw watching them. Auburn was smart, and I told you. The other night, I wouldn't throw a pass. I would just keep running, and that's almost what they did. So you have to throw in some to keep them honest. But Kevin Sumlin, how long is he going to be able to keep his job uh, with performances like this? Auburn's a down-and-out team, it looked like, but all of a sudden they found life. And, and that's a good sign of Gus Malzahn hadn't lost his team. Even with the four losses, Auburn's going to be bowl eligible. I think they beat Georgia this weekend and Idaho, and all of a sudden they're 7-4 and four playing in the Iron Bowl at home. A lot can happen between now and then, Quinn. Yeah. It sound it seemed like to me with saying um it's just uh they they just they just free fault since the Bama game and to me I think someone has like two, at least two more years, but uh I just feel like A and M's not mentally tough and after Bama went in there and their quarterback had a bad performance and had three pick sixes that ever since they just haven't been able to bounce back, really. Well, well, when Auburn knocked their quarterback out last night, I wonder why they didn't go to Murray, why they went to the other quarterback. I can't even remember his name. We looked like piss. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if they have any facing Kyle Allen anymore. <laughs> I mean, it shows well, he that threw he all over years. Auburn last year. Yeah, but... Yeah, he, he killed him. He killed him. I know it was last year, but wouldn't, don't you think you'd have given him maybe in the first half of series to see what he could do against Auburn because Murray looked like a deer in headlights half the time. He was, he could, Auburn was, was baiting him. And Auburn's defense, these were some good interceptions, too. These weren't just Bad throws. Yeah. Decent. One of them was a bad throw, but he was baited into these interceptions with some great plays. Carlton Davis, one of the best corners, going to be in the in the next couple of years. Quinn Carlton Davis is going to be that that lockdown corner, the best in the country. You watch and see. Yeah, he's really good. He had that really nice interception last night in the end zone. That was yeah. nice. When you see Florida right now successful, you know, on defense, and those are all Will Muschamp's players, uh, I'm excited to see what old, uh, old McElwain can do with his own defense when he gets them. I'm telling you, it's going to be a different world when his players graduate or leave when Muschamp's all go to the NFL. But he's getting that kind of talent, those Carlton Davis players, those those kind of guys that, that you need, the, the Byron Cowards. And Cowards a freshman. I know a lot of people are down on him. He's supposed to come in and – and just rate college football in the SEC, but it's not. It doesn't happen like that. And he's Sometimes in a tough he, position. He's on the defensive line. 
And so he's going up against a lot of those old linemen that he goes up against are experienced and a lot are bigger than them. And it's kind of – that's a p- position where it's really hard to adjust, I would think. Yeah, it's a, it is. And you're going against the left tackle for the most part of the – you know, the left tackle is the strongest position of, of every team of the line, and that's who he's trying to go against every week. What do you think of Auburn opening up a one-point favorite over Georgia? I'm fine with it. I I think I think it should probably be higher because of the way Georgia's played recently, and I think the reason why it might be so low is because uh, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, and you know if I, <laughs> I'm good, I'm never playing now. these games again. If I'm guys, I'm I'm never playing these games again. I'm just gonna boycott them. So okay, whatever. We're not showing up until seven. So tell them what they, they can do. Whatever they want to. We're gonna come out at seven o'clock and play football. You can have your cameras out here and watch grass grow if you want to. But I'm I'm not playing <laughs> those games with you at all. So I'm wondering where Jonathan's at right now, man. I, I want him to show his face tonight. Quinn, have you, you heard you what's going on in Missouri? Yeah, I let him know. Did he ever respond? Yeah, he did. I did change times, but Facebook gets notifications all the time. I have to go to bed early tonight, man. So, um, did you did you uh, see what's going on in Missouri right now with the uh, football players boycotting? Yeah. What do you think about that? All I heard is that the president did some, like, racial stuff or something. It's kind of crazy. No, nah. nah, he just – no, he just – they just don't think he did a good job handling an investigation or something. But you know what? Oh. You know what I do if I'm Missouri? I, I just say, okay, all you guys, go pack your crap and get out. I mean, your scholarships are revoked. Um, good luck bagging groceries the rest of your life. It's just, I don't understand at all how, you know, you, no matter what world we, here's the world we live in, Quinn. You're you're still a young man. You'll see it. This world is, uh, it's, there's racist in it. And I don't care what kind of protest you do. You get this president fired, another one's going to take his place. No matter what you do, racism's going to exist because we're humans. And everybody out there, you can't, just because we're good people, Quinn, doesn't mean other people are going to be good. You know, I mean, you can't control other people's thoughts. And the fact that this one idiot is trying to starve himself until they he fire him, I mean, really, who cares? You're going to die, dude, and nobody's going to give a damn. They'll eat some food or something. Nobody cares about your hunger strike. Knowing damn well He's you're starving food right himself? Probably. Some guy's starving himself until they fire him. So in a few days, hopefully we'll see this dude pass away, and you'll see what an idiot he is. I mean, look, here's the deal. Yeah, it's just like, come on. I, I don't mind, you know, you rallying together for a cause, but I don't know the whole story either. But I, I do think when it comes to sports, that you owe your team. This is a team, Missouri, all the players together, they represent one team. So when half of them walk off and, and, and abandon the other ones, what does that say, Quinn? That's what, that's what bothers me the most is you're deserting your players in your locker room to have your back week in and week out. 
over some some political thing that's going on. I mean, it's I don't get it. The president is not going to resign. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I just wish I just wish we had somebody more educated on the subject. All I know, there was a swastika that was with feces on it that was painted and by a teenager, and the guy said it was like vandalism. The president did and didn't look into it. And there was a suicide that um, it was handled wrong in the investigation, I guess. But you know, quitting football is not gonna. Here's the deal: it'd be different if this was Alabama doing it with their teams. Good Missouri sucks. So what are you trying to do? Forfeit a game to BYU? I mean, like, who cares if you win or lose anyway, Missouri? You're not even relevant. I mean, you know, now I can understand Alabama's players walking out, and then the, something would be done. You know, the president would be fired immediately because that's just this Alabama football. It's important. Missouri football, I'm sorry, is not that important, Quinn. Yeah. Michael Sam to, to this. I mean, what, what kind of unit is is Missouri running over there? What kind of shop are they running, Quinn? They got Michael Sam, that hiccup, the way they did that. Now they have this. What is, what is going on? Should the president step down and resign? I mean, I really don't know the whole story, but I know what they're doing doesn't seem like the right thing to do, according to teammates. I'm not saying in, in the day-to-day world it's, it's not the right way to handle it, but with college football players and representing one, I just think they're handling it the wrong way right now. Yeah, I don't know. I would I would have to know more to the story before I could say if they're doing is right or wrong. Well, the football team says that the 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 black players say that Pinkle has their back and the the other players. So obviously, they, there's something big going on, or these guys wouldn't have done that. And I think of that too. What would cause someone to to risk their scholarship to risk it? their professional career and it's uh it's one of those things again like you said we don't know much about it we don't know the ins and outs all we can do is think about what happened you know what i mean guess what happened and make an educated decision but when it comes to race you know these racial wars there's no winners i mean there's i mean you all look like losers when you when you're a racist racist people are losers man they're locked up in their mom's basement thinking that their race it's superior to anybody, and it's just stupid. And, uh, yeah. you know, Christianity, I'm a Christian. I mean, we can talk about that on this show. This is my show, and I, I believe God loves everybody the same, no matter no matter who you are, and that's just the way I've lived my life. And all these racists can do what they want to do, but you protesting is not going to change people's hearts. It's not going to change people's lives. It's not going to do anything. So it just hurts you sometimes when, you, when, when they're protesting this and, Looks like the Colts are going to put away the Denver Broncos. What a big win, Quinn, for Andrew Luck in the Denver or the Indianapolis Colts right now. It was it was a must-win situation. Yeah, that is big for them. I I, I didn't think they would win the game. And then when and I Kind of Falcon Nation out there, rise up, rise up, Falcon Nation! You lost seventeen to sixteen to a terrible San Francisco <laughs> team. I mean, I mean, these guys have got their they're running back suing Missouri, right, St. Louis, right now. The 
the quarterback couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat and you lose to him. I mean, dang. Let's look at Atlanta stats real quick. I have to look at this. Devontae Freeman, he, he lit it up. 12 attempts, 12 yards. Uh, a yard of carry. That's the way you do it, Gwen. Hell, it's bad when Matt Ryan. It's bad when Matt Ryan's average is better than yours, and you're a running back. I mean, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, the only existent person on that offense. He's not enough to do it anymore. The running game's not good enough, Quinn. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm be yes. I'm going off on Atlanta Falcons fans and and all of you that that do this, Jonathan. Man. Jonathan's with us, Jonathan Atlanta, man, losing to San Francisco. Welcome to the show, by the way. I was I was letting Quinn know earlier that, that Atlanta had the ball with like three minutes left in the game, down four. They decided to kick a field goal at the two. What is going on with that? Good Lord. Uh, I, 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 uh, well, I'm going to say this. I had the under in that game, so thank you, Matt Ryan, for doing what I expected you to do. You were wonderful today in cooperating with everything that I anticipated. And thank you, Blaine Gabbert, for proving me right to take you guys plus the seven points. I mean, what a, what a terrible football team Atlanta is. What a terrible football team. They're awesome. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I've seen college teams that could beat San Fran by 30 points, and they just embarrass the Falcons. And it just makes you wonder. I mean, are they going to lose every game from here on out? Are they going to finish 6-10? and 10? I mean, They're bad. They're, they're losing the really bad teams, and you just can't – there's no answer for it. It's not like, well, this guy's out or that guy's out. It's just, well, all of a sudden, these guys said, oh, we suck. Matt Ryan sucks. I'm telling you. I don't care what anybody says. If I, looking at him as a leader, he's over there painting his fingernails during the game, you know, getting his getting uh, spray tanned, <laughs> getting ready to look good for his game. I mean, this guy is just – I don't know. How can you look at him as a leader? Julio Jones needs to come to Carolina. They need to stop what they're doing right now. Julio needs to can, – can they do a trade, Jonathan, and just put Julio in Carolina right now, please? Uh, it'd be nice if the trade deadline wasn't this past Tuesday. I know. Just put Julio. Could you imagine Julio with Cam Newton right now in this Panthers team? Oh, my God. You mean Carolina signing that uh, undrafted, no-name free agent by the name of Jones, Julio? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Jones Julio reminds me a lot of Julio Jones. I heard this guy is a great football player. So, I mean, that's who Carolina should go sign. It's a travesty that he is stuck on an awful team with a quarterback who every offseason the media talks about how great Matt Ryan is and Matty Ice. There's only two good players on this whole team. Well, one now. It used to be the receiver and the kicker, but the kicker fell apart. And I try, I love Freeman from Florida. You know, he's a running back. He's from Florida State. Today was bad, and I just I don't want to blame him entirely on it because that offensive line is known to be bad. I, this is – one yeah, they're team. terrible. Carolina just about wrapped up the number one seed in the NFC today. That was a big win. Are you buying stock? And you know, I'm, you know, earlier in the year, we before the Seattle game, I wanted to see them beat a team, and they, I think, beating Seattle just turned the turned it for this team. And beating Indy was no easy thing on Monday Night Football, and then coming on the road, or and then playing Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers coming off a loss. Did you see Aaron Rodgers' record? It's like. 27-0 and 0 after a loss? I mean, 
he just it's hard to beat Green Bay and they did it and they had him blown out. They got in the pre event, they made some mistakes, but Aaron Rodgers was shut down for the most part, Jonathan. Talk about that game a little bit. It, it was a great game. And look, at, he, heading into the game uh, last night, I did a double check and I said, you know what? Give me Carolina when they're getting points at home. They're just too good right now. Because if you watched it, you know, people talk about, well, they're one-dimensional. That, that's true. Okay, it does seem like they should be one-dimensional. Because their top receiver, not named Greg Olson, is Ted Ginn Jr. And if he's your number one receiving threat, we got issues. But Cam Newton has taken this offense and has put it on his back and carries him down the field. He has made Ted Ginn a better player. He has helped bunch this in, in progress in the NFL. He's made Greg Olson the number two tight end in the NFL, and whoever's playing running back looks like they're a top five running back now. It's phenomenal the way this team plays. That defense frustrated Rodgers for three quarters, and the fourth quarter said, we're going to play a little game with you. How about you try to make a comeback, and then we intercept you on the last play of the game. We can really get at you. That's exactly what happened. I, it was fantastic. And, and you know, like you said, that home field advantage is going to be huge. I would worry about Carolina going up to Lambeau in January to play in that game. But, I mean, they have a three-game lead technically over Green Bay. And and that's a huge lead right now because 8-0, you look at Carolina's schedule, it's going to be mixed with New Orleans, Atlanta, and Tampa. I mean, if you think about it, I don't know you're a Tampa fan, but they're not in the same class right now. But they're getting better. They are getting better besides that, that that crazy play at the end of the game. We're going to talk about some other things with that. But Tampa's going to get better before the year out, John. You know that. But let's look at Carolina's remaining schedule real quick before we talk some college and I get your opinions on some stuff. At Tennessee next week could be tricky. I mean, it could be. That's a, that's, and then that's they come a win. home for Washington. Yeah, and then they come yeah. home for Washington. At Dallas, so that's with a Tony Romo. That's going to be a tough one right there. Ooh. That's At New Orleans, is going to be tough anytime you play Drew Brees. And then they're home Atlanta, at Giants, at Atlanta. So they they have five road games left this year. And it's just it's not going to be easy. I don't put it that way. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. But this team needs to, you know, they need to lose, go only two losses if they're going to get – I think Green Bay will lose again. Something's going on with their offensive line. But I think if Carolina can be what a – what do they play, 16 games, a 13-3 and three team, I think they'll have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Well, uh, it's like you said, they're going to get Dallas and they're going to get Romo-led Dallas. So that could be definitely be a tricky game. Uh, you know, playing at New Orleans, I don't know what's going on with the Saints, but let's say it's a tricky game. Um, and then I think at Atlanta to end the year, if they're not 15-0 going into that game, they'll lose that game because they're just going to rest guys. Uh, that that's how I look at that. So this is easily a team that should, at this point in the season, finish thirteen and three or fourteen and two, have home field, maybe possibly home field throughout the playoffs. I mean, this 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 team just looks. They gel. Everybody works together. Yes. Everybody plays together. This is a well uh, oiled machine that it doesn't wow you, but they just beat you in a submission. It's really a beautiful thing to see, the chemistry that, they've ha- that they have. That's exactly right. Let me, if I told you, looking at this preseason schedule, what worried me was at Seattle, Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Green Bay. 
if, if somebody told you Carolina would have won all those games in preseason, what would you have told them? <laughs> uh, well, uh, how much money you want to bet? Because I'm willing to take it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, Quinn and I were struggling here with this thing that's going on in Missouri, and and I don't want to speak out of turn. Um, and we do have a caller real quick from the 347 area code. Let's bring them on real quick. You're on Way In Sports. Who's this? Hey, this is, hey, guys, this is Bryce from Brooklyn. Bryce, how's it going? It's going all right. How you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Doing well, doing well. Tell us what's good. on your mind tonight. What would you like to discuss? I would like to discuss my Pittsburgh Steelers, if that's okay. Let's discuss them. What's going on? Ben's going to miss one to two weeks. Is that what I'm hearing is true? Yeah, we're very fortunate again. We've, you know, we've just been really, really – We've been really, really nicked up, but you know we're five and four, still in the hunt for for an AFC wild card spot. Um, this was a big win for us today over over the Raiders. Um, you know, it's funny. I think Pittsburgh's a team that's going to be playing their best football towards the end of the season. You know, barring that they can kind of get healthy and 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 get Ben back to to full strength. Um, I think the de- starting with the defense. I think our defense is is um, Underrated. Um, the safeties have been playing very well. Mike Mitchell has become a real force back there. He had the two groin tears last year that hampered him. Our corners are definitely they're scrappers, but they're not elite guys. Um, but you know they're making some plays. And then our front seven is young, but they get after you. They push the pocket. They play very hard and they run to the football. They force some some nice turnovers today. And that's an offense with David Carr that hadn't been turning the football over. And and offensively, barring, you know, Todd Haley not becoming zany Todd, um, we've got some good <laughs> weapons. And, and you know, when when you miss Le'Veon Bell, but you but your organization brings in D'Angelo Williams, who who's a veteran guy who can really run the ball. He's been he's been very good. And, and Alejandro Villanueva, the backup left tackle, has been playing well. You know, they're bringing him along. He's got some athleticism there at the left tackle spot. So hopefully Landry Jones can can hold the fourth down, not turn the football over like he did in Kansas City, and we can get a win over the Browns this week. How about how about Antonio Brown today? Seventeen receptions, two hundred eighty-four yards. He didn't get a touchdown, but if you can just get it into his hands and D'Angelo Williams' hands, you're going to win a lot of football games. So Landry just needs to be, you know, being buddies with those two guys and, and getting along with them all week and just saying, guys, help me out here. But I think Pittsburgh's a playoff team. They're they're five and four right now. They haven't had their best player for most of the season. And you look at that schedule. I think it gets tough, um, Bryce. I think it, it's going to get tough, but I think you're going to get better. You play Cleveland, then you go to Seattle after a bye week. Indy at Cincinnati, home against Denver at Baltimore and at Cleveland. I mean, it's I, I don't know where Seattle's going to be on the 29th. If, so if Ben's back on the 29th it, after that bye week, I'm guessing that's when they're they're expecting him back, right? After the Cleveland game, but he gets a bye week and then he's going to be ready for Seattle. But I don't know if that's a smart game to bring him back as physical as Seattle is. Don't you rest him until maybe you host Indianapolis? Maybe give him that extra week. Well, when you talk about the Roonies, they're not going to do anything to put the franchise guy in jeopardy. So if he's ready and healthy to play, he'll play. But if he's not, they have no problems holding him out. And and you're right. I mean, 
Seattle's ferocious. You wouldn't expect Landry Jones to be able to get in there and get that win, but possibly. I mean, how about, you know, I start the call. I'm so used to, as a Steeler fan, seeing Antonio Brown do what he did today. I don't even mention it. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's sensational. <laughs> last year when people last year when people said, who's the best receiver in the league, even though he was banged up last year, I said Calvin Johnson, man. I give him number one, Antonio's top three. But right now, I think you got to go Antonio's the best guy in the world right now. I mean, he's just – guys, he's he's a short guy, but he's strong. You can't press him. You back off. He can he can catch it short and take it long. He can get deep. He can he can run underneath. He's tough. You know, he does it all, and he can return the punt. So. Well, I'm in agreement with you. Jonathan, what do you – I thought Julio was until I look at his quarterback, and they're just – there's no consistency there. I have to go with Antonio Brown. What about you? I think he probably is the best receiver in football right now. I really like Antonio Brown, and I've always been – the relationship I've always had towards him is he was a little bit of disappointment because he was supposed to come to Florida State but couldn't get his grades in order. <laughs> and, you know, I really would have allowed to have passed him, and I remember watching him in college, and he was phenomenal. He was always always came off as a good, you know, a good clean-cut kid, even though where he grew up in Miami is not considered the uh, most family-friendly environment. I honestly believe right now he is the best receiver in football, and I think the only comparison I can think of as a receiver to him would be Steve Smith. Guys who are technically undersized but play larger than anybody else, and that's exactly who he reminds me of. And and that's that's, in no way is that an insult because I think I think the world of Steve Smith, and I'm, right. I really hope he comes back next year. But Antonio Brown is clearly the top receiver in the NFL, and having him has made it easier for Martavis Bryant to come along. He's right. made it easier for Marcus Wheaton. I mean, there's no amount of money that you could throw at him that would be enough in a vacuum, if you will. And what a decision by keeping Antonio and letting Emmanuel Sanders walk. Such an underrated decision that nobody really paid attention to. Yeah, I mean, it was really about, and even before that, you know, Mike Wallace coming off a big year, and you let him go and say, we're keeping this guy, mostly because, you know, Antonio not only as a receiver but as a returner. I mean, as you as they say, he's a four-down player. He can play all three downs and then go another down and return the punts for you. So the guy is really, really good. D'Angelo Williams has been a great pickup. I can't believe when you look around the league, some of these teams did not pick this guy up to, to come run the football. You think the Broncos or the Cowboys couldn't have used this guy? Come on. He's a professional, great locker room guy, got speed, vision. He's, he is a tough runner. What we're finding out is that he really is that one-cut guy. He gets it and goes, and, and he's the type of running back offensive lineman love to block for. You know, you know Carolina right now, with, you know, I like him in Carolina. I like both Stewart and Williams, but you're right. I mean, how many people should have gone after this guy? He's a veteran. And, and, I mean, you got your best players out. And you're still winning, and that <laughs> that shows the veteran leadership of this team, the kind of players that they they get right now. To be five and four, considering all your injuries, you, you got to yeah. be grateful. And, and and a question to you is, how far do you think you're away with a healthy team? How far do you think you are away from New England? Because I think New England's doing good, but I just don't know how good they really are right now. I, I still don't know. Man, you know what? I'm right there with you, and I think it's it takes you know a little bit of foresight for you to make that statement, considering everyone you know they just rave about this team. But let let's look at that first game, Keith Butler first 
first-time defensive coordinator. He got schooled. I mean, they couldn't get lined up right. Brady picked up the pace. But they got more out-schemed than they did out-played. Pittsburgh outgained them in yardage. They held Tom Brady to one of his lowest point totals of the year. And that's with the team that really – you didn't really know what that defense was going to give you. I mean, they were in it. They made some calls offensively that I felt – weren't really good in the in moments of the game. They had a third and six down in in New England territory, and they ran it to D'Angelo. You know, like like I said, Todd Haley became Zanny Todd and lost his mind a little bit there. But I think this team can compete. I mean, you give a healthy team and all things being equal, and we go up there with the way our safeties are playing now. You know, if we call a good game and we don't get out coached, yeah, we can we can compete. I mean, I'll, look look guys, call me a homer, but I love Ben Roethlisberger. I think Ben Roethlisberger is a top three quarterback easy. I think you, some might even argue number two after Tom Brady um, between him and Aaron Rodgers. This guy can do it all, and I'll take our chances with him healthy going into any stadium. Hey, I was going to ask you real quick. What do you think about Cam Newton as a quarterback, somebody objective like you that's so up north, you know, you, you look at it. What do you think about this guy while he's doing in Carolina? You know – I tell you what, I'm a big fan of Cam Newton, and I think Ron Rivera waited too long. He still needs to get better pieces around him, but I think Cam. I think here's here's my thought of Carolina. Ron Rivera got so enamored with Cam Newton when he came in that he kind of just let him just let him go, throw it all around the lot. But that's not been the personality as I've seen the Carolina Panthers. He should have immediately established this guy with a running game and said, we're going to play physical, we're going to keep you 20-25 attempts. And I think Cam's efficiency in terms of numbers over the years would have been even better if Carolina would have stuck to the philosophy that made them. We're going to pound it, we're going to pattern ourselves after the Steelers and those teams, we're going to play the 3-4, we're going to play yep. defense. I think Cam is the perfect quarterback for that team and that system. Um, I think he he makes players around him better. And I think that's a lot of the thing with Cam when he was sulking before because he so wanted to win and he's so athletically gifted and they had a little bit of uh, – they were lacking a little bit of things and he kind of let that get to him. But now you see his attitude. He's lifting his teammates up. He's the type of guy that will – he's a quarterback that will make you better. And he's doing that for that football team. And let me tell you, that dude is a load on the field. I, I've never really seen anyone like that guy because of that size. I mean, the speed and his ability to just chuck the football, but but be able to run and, 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 and be a playmaker. This guy's got it all. He's a true franchise guy. And, and, and the reason I was asking you that is when I watched Carolina play, it reminds me of the Steelers days when they, you know, a few years ago when, Right. Their defense was was real the way it was. The running game just pounds you. I love that mentality because you know defense travels when you're on the road. When you go on the yes. road, defense comes with you. They say, but Cam Newton has really matured as a as a quarterback, and he's gotten away from that selfishness and realized that you know what, I'm going to win the locker room over. I'm going to make people right. around me better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, not, I'm gonna take what the defense gives me, and some of his throws are, you know, sometimes he still makes mistakes, but he's still yeah. growing. But I think the Seattle win this year really, really opened his eyes. But it also, I think, you go back to the playoff game last year at Seattle. Even though they lost, I think Carolina actually started believing in themselves a little more after that loss. Yeah, and and when I look at Cam, I say. You know, Kelvin Benjamin got hurt. They have to continue to bring guys in around him. Look, when you've got a franchise guy like that, you got to make it a priority to build a team around him and, and get him receivers that 
that can be a little bit more playmakers. It's kind of rem- reminiscent of our DBs now. Like our DBs are high and low; they'll make some plays, but they're not those they're not those consistent playmaking guys that you need. And I look at the the Panther receivers like that. They made plays today, but they need to get a couple more guys in that are really gonna scare a defense. And and that's what you want to do when you got a when you got a quarterback like Cam surrounding with those with those type of players. Well, man, I appreciate the call. Keep in touch. We're on just about every Wednesday and definitely every Sunday night. Um, between seven and eight thirty, just look at us. What, what what group are you seeing this? In. So I'll make sure we keep posting it. Are you seeing there? Uh, um, it's in. Show? It's in Way in Sports Talk. Okay, good. So you're on Yeah, that's kind of how it popped up, and I heard you talking, and then oh, let's call in and talk a little little football. Well, well, keep joining us every week. Call in, talk about your Steelers. We really enjoyed it. Have a good week. Great. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Great call, Jonathan. I like hearing from from up north the Steelers. They're a good football team, and the fact they're five and four right now is saying a lot, considering what <laughs> the injuries they've had. It does, uh, and I'm gonna hate saying this. I have a lot of my families from Pittsburgh, but uh, they're not winning the Super Bowl this year, and it's not a personal thing. It's my problem with Pittsburgh is they're getting so nicked up this year that I don't know if this year is going to be the year for them. And I think they need a healthy Le'Veon Bell to really be a, to really get that Super Bowl win. But I really like that team. I just wish they didn't have the same mentality towards their secondary as the Giants have towards linebackers. And what I mean by that is every year going into the draft, everybody looks at the Steelers and the Giants and goes, well, what do they need? Well, you know, with the Steelers, it's always, well, they, they could use, you know, they need a cornerback. They need a safety. And with the Giants, it's, and they need linebackers. And what do these teams do to address these uh, these needs? Nothing. They just let, you know, oh, we'll bring in some undrafted guys and maybe we'll bring in a low-end free agent and it'll work itself out. It doesn't always work that way. I think once Pittsburgh drafts themselves a top-end safety again, and I think that's the whole, they missed Troy Polamalu more than I think they thought they would at first. So I think once they're able to address yeah. certain needs, that defense is going to be a, an elite-level defense again, and nobody's going to want to play them. Because Cincinnati's caught them on a good year. Next year, I think Cincinnati's going to find out Pittsburgh's back-back. Yeah, well, we'll see. And, Dave, I was going to ask you for the call, what do you think about what's going on in Missouri right now? Why do you think all these players are going to risk their scholarships uh, for this cause they're going after. What, what is going on and what do you think about it? Well, from what I heard, there's been some disparaging – apparently there's been a lot of racism going on uh, across that campus. And I guess the tipping point, which is, it leaves open so many questions, but I guess the tipping point was a, swat, was a swastika on a dorm wall. And, yeah, obviously that's bad. That's very bad. We all know that, Okay. This kind of hatred like that cannot be tolerated. And the football players have stated that not only do they have the backing of, of their, you know, non-black teammates, they also have the backing of all their the whole coaching staff. Uh, but they got to remember that the coaching staff can offer those scholarships, but the university is going to pay for them. So uh-huh. you need to tread uh-huh. that line as 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 not you know as as wage free as how I'll put it as you can. This whole situation's a mess. This isn't going to be resolved overnight. 
uh, the kid on the hunger strike until the president steps down. Well, I'm t- <laughs> I, I, I hate to be this guy, but I think he's going to crack for the president steps down. You know, and it's just it, this whole situation is ugly. It's not good, but at the same time, they're they're kind of protesting a couple things that make you wonder. You know, a swastika is not against it, it's it's against the Jewish you know population. It's not against yours. So I get it. You don't like seeing that the hate speech and the segregation all that, but at the same time. You guys are pushing this like it, you know, there's been a lot of racism towards you guys on campus, and from everything I've seen, there's been some, but, like, the roots of this started with um, uh, Michael Brown, who was shot down by that officer in Ferguson. So I, I think that's a little misguided at, at times with what they're doing, but if they can get what they want done and they want to do it peacefully, I'm not to stop them from doing peaceful protests. They have that right to do it. If they feel they need to do it, go ahead and do it, but be peaceful. Well, I think what you got to worry about is, hey, guys, um, yeah, you, you missed the BYU game. You're not practicing. Well, you've you've not lived up to the, the terms of your contract, really, your scholarship, so we are not giving you one. Pack your shit and go home. I mean, that could easily be said, and I hate to say it, but it, what what makes me mad is these kids don't realize what they're risking right now. And and it makes me angry because they have so much on the line, and I think some people have gotten into their head. And and I'm not saying that that there's not racism going on in Missouri, and it it does need to be stopped and looked at if it is. But you not playing football is not going to really matter. Missouri sucks. Now, if this was Alabama and Alabama's defense decided to do that, players, oh hell, you could you could guarantee the president would be fired immediately. They'd come out. And fire them and say, I'm sorry, guys. We we can't lose to Mississippi State this weekend, right, Jonathan? So if if you're gonna do this, at least be good, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that that was another angle that I, I was looking at. It which was these kids can afford to do this because the season's already lost. By them not playing, what does it matter? I mean, is, uh, are any of them affecting the draft stock? Well, probably not. I haven't heard a single Missouri guy talk. You know, in in pre-draft discussions. So, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at this and I go, I get the statement you're trying to make, but it doesn't make as much noise because, A, there's a hundred of you on that roster. Okay, they'll just next man up you. And, yep. B, the team sucks. So, what you're telling me is some players on a bad team aren't playing anymore. Okay, so a bad team might still be bad or – the, the, these players might be replaced by guys who are better and help turn this team around. And that's where they need to uh, understand that they might wind up hurting themselves in the long run um, if they do this. Well, well, let's talk about some college football. I'd love to hear some more people call in. Maybe we'll talk about this more Wednesday night once I've had a chance to do some research. But, but Jonathan, let's let's go to last night. I picked Nebraska to beat Michigan State outright, and they did 39-38, to 38, but – Watching that game, it just made me sick that that Nebraska, you took away Michigan State season by this stupid call. And maybe you disagree with me, and that's okay if you do. But I watched it. There's no way that that touchdown should have stood. What do you What do you think about this game? Oh, I had Michigan State laying three points. That line got all the way down to three at game time, so I jumped on it. So you know exactly how I felt when I saw that play. I was disgusted. <laughs> I was absolutely disgusted. 
disgusted by it because that the receiver was not was not pushed out of bounds. Okay, he went out on his own right. Receiver goes out on his own right, comes back in as the first one to touch the ball and an incomplete pass. That's your penalty too. Um, and the fact the refs got this wrong, even after review, just blows my mind. I'm very, very frustrated with this. And and what I'm more frustrated <laughs> with is that this is a reoccurring theme now, and it's a national issue. The poor officiating is deciding outcomes of games. And it's mm-hmm. not even from a standpoint of I've been on the wrong side of that gambling-wise. It's been watching some of these games and even being on the right side of it. I've been disgusted and come away going, I wish I had just not been yeah. I shouldn't have gotten that. Yeah. And it's just very And this is seasons. These are seasons we're talking about here. Michigan State was eight. I mean, <laughs> I just don't know how you can get on instant replay and not overturn this. And they said they couldn't review if he was pushed out of bounds or not. Well, what are you, what are you reviewing then? I mean, that, that's what I don't understand. And it's, and it's, it's just get. Go ahead, Quinn. An interesting thing is, too, is that's the same officiating crew that officiated the Michigan-Michigan State game. Same officiating crew. Oh, my makeup call. Oh, my. Tell me. Tell me that that thought's not running. Now that you've put that out there, that thought's not going to run wild. People are going to call that a makeup call. Because supposedly, and I watched the Michigan-Michigan State game kind of in and out. I wasn't entirely focused on it. But from what I've heard, there were a lot of bad calls, a lot of missed calls in that game. So if I, if, if the term makeup call offends somebody, that's fine. Let you be offended, okay? But don't think refs don't do it. Don't think it doesn't happen. Now, you cannot make up what you did in that game, but, I mean, by golly, if you did for that reason, you need to be gone. Yeah. Man, I mean, this is, had nothing to do with uh, with Nebraska that week. You missed a call, you missed a call, you you move on. Arkansas goes on the road, Jonathan. All we heard about was a two-loss Ole Miss team. Well, not anymore. Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss again has dropped the ball, their third loss. Arkansas 53-50 to in overtime. What did you think about that fourth and 25 play? That's crazy. That, that was an – I mean, again, on the wrong side of a, of a wacky play, I had Ole Miss playing seven. Um, but, I mean <laughs> – Absolutely bonkers. What a play. What a heads-up play. And I don't know if this is being talked about enough, but what a heads-up play by that tight end to just fling the ball over his head and give his, his teammates a shot to, to even pull something off like that. I mean, absolutely outstanding. So so I want you to look at the SEC right now, Jonathan, from, from an outsider looking in. I mean, Florida with Vanderbilt yesterday getting by by one point uh, or whatever that was. Alabama beating LSU. We all knew LSU was probably not going to beat Alabama, but how strong is the SEC, honestly? I mean, top heavy. I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I think overall deep, you know, deep, they're pretty deep, but I think Alabama's going to lose another game. Call me crazy, Jonathan. I'm not going to call you crazy uh, because if it wasn't for, uh, you know, you and Quinn, um, I wouldn't have thought to uh, even place a wager on uh, Bama. And it was because of you guys telling me that Bama's front seven was going to shut Fournette down. And my goodness, did they ever. Um, 
I think I think yeah. you're right though. Alabama still has the chance to, to lose another game. There's, they still have a lot of holes there. Um, and as far as the depth goes, is it just as deep as the Pac-12? I mean, they're they're eating each other alive out there. I mean, I think strong. I think what I think people need to understand is we need to stop saying, well, this conference is stronger than this one, and this one. We need to stop that because obviously what yeah. we're seeing now is the conferences just eat each other alive, and that just means there's good depth. There's more parity, and it's better for the game. Yeah. I think the Big Ten's doing an amazing job this year. You know, I, I look at that. That's, that's some quality football compared to last year. I mean, the difference between the Big Ten this year compared to last year is unbelievable. You have a Michigan team that's, that's real good. Ohio State can be real good. I was undefeated in the top ten right now. Northwestern's ranked. I mean, it's if you're the Big Ten right now, you, you've got to be holding your head up pretty high, defending national champions and, and just looking at the depth of their conference. I, I kind of like what I see in the Big Ten. I agree. I think the Big Ten is full of quality teams. Uh, I think Michigan's a very good football team. I think Michigan State's a good football team. I think, you, you know, Ohio State, Iowa. Uh, I think Wisconsin's definitely been an underrated team this year. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of the teams in, in that conference have gotten better, and that's what you're seeing this year. Is it's just, it's phenomenal. I love it. It makes the game better for everybody when you know your conferences top to bottom are strong. Well, well, Quinn, on that, well, Jonathan, to, to answer Notre Dame right here, I said the other night on my show that I think five is the ceiling for Notre Dame. Do you think the committee? I think the committee may put them at number four coming up Tuesday, and um, I know speaking kind of the Big Ten, I think Notre Dame, when I think of them, I think of kind of a Big Ten team. Do you think Notre Dame's going to go up, or do you, how far do you think LSU goes down? Well, LSU has to drop out of the top four. I don't care what anybody says. That was an embarrassing showing. Yeah. They didn't deserve to be <laughs> on that field. Um, now, lo- looking at it, Notre Dame played a good schedule. They beat up a quality opponent, I believe, in in Pittsburgh. Um, I, I think they're, they're in the conversation for that top four, but they're going to have to send off Oklahoma State. They're going to have to send off Ohio, you know, Iowa, um, you know, Baylor. And I know everybody wants to start back in Baylor until they forget that, oh, that was a true freshman quarterback making his first start, and he was on the road in a hostile environment. That's actually a better team than we thought. So, they're going to have to fend off some undefeated competition, but I still think this is a team that if they went out at the end of the year, they'll probably be in the top four. Quinn, Oklahoma State going, you know, at home. They actually at home beat TCU by 20. How good is Oklahoma State, or is it just TCU is a way overrated this year? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think TCU is a little overrated, and I think Oklahoma State's a little better than we thought. Um I still I still think they'll get beat somewhere. And uh I hope Oklahoma beats Baylor. <laughs> so then that so then that would knock out another Big Twelve team is what I hope. Because if Oklahoma wins out, I'm pretty confident that Notre Dame could slip into that spot over Oklahoma because Notre Dame killed Texas and Texas yeah. beat Oklahoma. That's a good point. And they're probably not going to be a true champion in the Big 12 if Oklahoma. I mean, you're going to have – you could possibly have a one-loss Baylor, a one-loss Oklahoma, a one-loss Oklahoma State. Jonathan, they could be just a mess in the Big 12. 
at the end of the season. They really could because Oklahoma State still has to play Baylor and Oklahoma. Oklahoma still got to play the other three. Um, TCU still got Baylor and Oklahoma. I mean, th- th- this this really could be an absolute mess at the end of the year. I'd love to see, you know, if they all have one loss, how they sort out the tiebreakers. Uh, that that'd be kind of fun to see. But th- this this is kind of what we all wanted to see is, you know, TCU get knocked because it was that whole, their defense isn't up to par, and it was true once again. And Oklahoma State is a much better team than I thought they were. Oklahoma's hit a stride, even though, I mean, they beat Iowa State big whoop. And Baylor looked good to me on Thursday night. That was a good win for a team starting a true freshman quarterback halfway through the year. So I'm excited to see Oklahoma and Baylor coming up. I think that has a chance to be an excellent game. And if Oklahoma wins that game, my goodness. I mean, we're going to have we're gonna have some craziness going on. Yeah, and Oklahoma State, remember, they go to Iowa State, and then they have back-to-back home games against Baylor and Oklahoma. That's a, Stillwater's a tough place to play, and, man, it could easily see a, an Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State goes undefeated, Jonathan, are they in the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, easy. I mean, that, there's no doubt about that. Don't think Oklahoma State isn't thinking about 2011 when Iowa State knocked them off when they went up to Ames. That's, I think Oklahoma State's going to put it on Iowa State as part of a revenge factor and say, you got us once, you ain't going to get us twice. And, uh, I wonder if Oklahoma State will take the bus up there. They'll take the bus and then they'll hand the keys to Iowa State's coach and say, hey, it's warmed up, they're ready to hop on. That's right. It's, hey, I mean, this. I think this is just going to get crazier week in and week out in college football. But Memphis goes down by 25 to Navy. But Jonathan, that makes Notre Dame win over Navy look much better. It does. Jonathan, tell me what you think about the Auburn Tigers last night. That was a big win going on the road for them to get some momentum heading into these last three. That was a big win, and Auburn's defense showed up in a big way. And it was weird because it was the two, it was two teams where Auburn seemed to be gaining momentum, even though you know the results had been up and down. Where A and M seemed to be spiraling out of control. And that was a chance for A and M to try and get back on track at home against a team that they thought was an inferior opponent. And Auburn went in and shut up everybody. Jeremy Johnson looked good. Everything looked good. I was very happy with that Auburn win. I thought that was an excellent football team on the field that night. And they took care of business. And I'll tell you what, they're going to smack Georgia around. They're going to smack Georgia around. This, right now, that Iron Bowl is looking a lot more interesting. Uh-huh. It's to the point where you're like, Bama might walk this dog. And now you're like, you know, there's no dog to be walked. This is going to be a good game. Yeah, if Auburn's improving like they are on defense. And, and, and another question, guys. Quinn, I'll start with you. Who's the starting quarterback this Saturday for Auburn? It'll be J.J. And, I and you know, um, I listened to this podcast by an Auburn fan, and he said, you know, that uh, Gus has been looking for an opportunity to get J.J. back in the game. And with Sean being injured, he found the right time to give J.J. another chance. And I think think J.J. proved to him, you know, Gus, I'm not done yet. And 
I think he's going to start yep. the rest of the games. The fire and the intensity, Jonathan, from him last night, the way he his body language was, the way he was fired up. I mean, is this a Jeremy? I mean, think about how he's felt over the last couple months, just how defeated. And now he's letting it out. He took what the defense gave him. He didn't just chunk it downfield. He had some great throws. Um, Auburn ran the ball. Javon Robinson's a beast. The offensive line, I think the key to all this, Jonathan, is the offensive line has finally gelled to to the running game. I'm still not confident about just the drop back passing game of Auburn. I don't I don't like it. I don't think it should be there. But if they're able to run the ball like they're doing and hit some play action passes, some slants, some screens, this is a very dangerous Auburn team. All of a sudden, they're, they're, the Gus Malzahn offense is clicking and the defense is starting to to hit the crap out of people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, like I said, I loved everything I saw from um, from from Johnson last night. Uh, and that was a quarterback that hadn't given up on the season and was wanted to get back in there, got yeah. his spot back, and was stoked to have his spot back. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm starting because, you know, he's hurt. It was more of I'm starting and, you know what, I'm not going to prove that I am the better option now. Um, I mean, it was just – it was really just – uh, great to see that Johnson hadn't given up and, and you know mailed it in. Yeah, and I, I was very happy. Uh, and to start with, I wanted to see this Auburn Tiger team on the road at night against a, a good team, A and M ranked team. They were number nineteen. Um, I wanted to see if Gus lost a team. You know, these four losses, but actually these guys are developing these players, and they're actually playing harder. And they they actually starting to believe, and I was glad to see that. But I, I'm just I don't think Auburn can beat Alabama with Sean White. And I've said that all along. Y'all can go back to every show. Uh, Jeremy came in. They're going to beat Georgia like a drum. I hope they beat Idaho. All of a sudden, uh, Jonathan, they're healthy again. Maybe they're starting to get. A, they're seven and four, and a an eight and four season can put Auburn in a big bowl game. Considering where they were going to be last week not at a bowl game. So, I mean, there's a lot for this team to still play for. To pay, and the recruiting is the number one thing to play for. Could you imagine if Auburn goes in as a 7-4 and four team and knocks off a 10-1 and one Alabama team and knocks them out of the playoffs? Do you understand how big that would be? No SEC team would get in. And yeah, I would it would be it. huge. I mean, it would be absolutely huge, especially for the recruiting. I mean, at this point, that's all Florida State's playing for. All we're playing for is to knock off Florida. So I understand yeah. exactly what both and I hope in. you guys do. I hope you guys yeah. do. Because and then I, if I have you, a because dislike for Florida. Go ahead, Quinn. I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, because because if Florida can get another loss, then they're then they're eliminated, and then I would just hope. Because then if a one-loss Bama team goes into the SEC championship, I would hope uh, that Florida would knock off Bama, and then there would be no uh, there would be no SEC team in the in the yeah. playoffs. So then, it, so then yeah. if Notre Dame wins out, they would move up. <laughs> uh, could you imagine how bad Alabama would beat Florida, Jonathan, if it was a, a eleven and one Bama team versus a eleven and one Florida team. How bad would Bama honestly beat Florida? Florida wouldn't score. If you can't score on Vanderbilt, you sure ain't gonna score on Alabama. Um Man, Florida, after uh, what I saw yesterday, Florida's gonna be lucky to put up, you know, three on us. 
I mean, my goodness, they were dreadful <laughs> yesterday. Treon was dreadful. They couldn't run the football. I mean, that was pitiful. <laughs> Treon sucks. And all you Florida fans out there, I mean, you caught lightning in a bottle. You caught people at the right time. Obviously, that that close game at LSU, really, what did it mean now? After watching Alabama just dismantle Fournette. I mean, I felt bad for the kid, honestly. I felt bad for Fournette because, that Alabama defensive line is a dang NFL defensive line. It's, yeah. it's just not fair. Fournette would get the ball well, three yards deep, and he would just get his – he'd be getting hit as soon as he touched the ball. Well, the thing is what didn't help him, too, is the play calling. I mean, I mean, you would think during the week Cam Cameron would say, okay, we're going to try and do some different things so we're not going – our strength against Bama's front seven, like at least try and like do some plays and try and get them to the outside or do some screens or or some read option to open it up a little bit. Instead, they just go and run it right in the middle of their defensive line. And, and, and Jonathan, I'm not ready to say Henry's better than Fournette. You look at the, the offensive line holes and what what Henry rushes through compared to Fournette. I still think that that Fournette's probably the best player in football, but, man, Dalvin Cook yesterday, Jonathan, what a phenomenal player, man. Dalvin Cook, the first play he touched it, he took it, what, 75 yards to the house on the road to shut the shut the crowd up. I'm sorry, Clemson's not the best team in the country. You know that, don't you, Jonathan? You you don't believe they're the best team in the country. You know, I'll tell you what, after what I saw yesterday, I saw I saw a lot of disappointment. And Dalvin Cook is obviously a a, a real a real gem. I mean he is a talent. <laughs> and it's a shame because you know, and that game could have been much more we would have had a much better chance if his hammy hadn't locked up on him again. And it wasn't it wasn't talked about, it wasn't really noticed, but if you watched it, you could see him grabbing it at the end of the second quarter. And it was just a shame. Because if he'd been fully healthy, I could only think of how different our play calling would have been in the second half. And I mean but you're right, he's 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 extremely talented. Uh I love Dalvin. I'm glad we're gonna have him for another year and I could just pray that next year we have a much better team for him to play for because he he deserves it. Well, tell me this, Clemson. I mean, what is it that every time they play – I mean, they could beat number 22 Georgia Tech in Clemson, and if they win, they come down and tear the damn goalposts down and Dabo's talking about he's a man, you know, and Clemson's back and they they Clemsonize them, Clemsoning the next week. I mean, really, I mean, tear the goalpost down? I mean, and do stuff like this, storm in the field? Come on. I mean, Clemson, you, I know you beat Florida State, but, but you know Florida State is not Florida State that we've seen in the last few years. they got some injuries. They've lost a lot of players of the NFL. But, Jonathan, why does the Dabo run his mouth and act like he's never been there before? I know he hasn't, but why does he continue to act like an idiot? I turned off the game after the fumble. Um at that point, I had realized that I had covered the spread, but we had lost the game. And I found out afterwards that they had bum-rushed the field and tore it down and everything. And when I heard that, I, I was disgusted. 
that was a classless display by a, by a fan base and by a coaching staff. And it's not just because I'm on the wrong side of it, but you're number one. I mean, you guys are number one. Thank you. And you beat number 16. You. You're number one. You're not. This isn't an unranked Clemson team. This isn't you beat number one. You are number one. I mean, come <laughs> on. Really? I mean, that's pitiful. That is pitiful. Oh, it, like, it was like Georgia Tech where you guys won on a, on a crazy play. I'd be okay with that if you'd rush the kid like that. I get that. I get that. I mean. I get that one. Number one. And y'all rushes the field after solidly winning a game by 10 points. The game was over with five minutes left. And you guys run on the field, and Davo starts talking talking like he's the second coming to Jesus. I mean, come on, guys. That is, did Clemson, yeah. Before, I wanted Clemson to get there. It would have been nice. We have some competition. Now, I want Clemson to lose to South Carolina. I want them to have – and I can't stay in South Carolina – but I hope they have their hearts ripped out and shoved down their throat, and then I hope South Carolina bone rushes the field on them. That was disgusting. You know, you know what Dabo has in common with Atlanta Falcons and all these—they're <laughs> choke artists. And at the end of the day, maybe they make it to the fourteen playoff. But you know what? They'll play Notre Dame and get skull drug up and down <laughs> that field, and Dabo will be over there looking like he did when Alabama <laughs> beat them forty-two to nothing. I don't know who was it that put up Dabo had a good year. They made it to the Orange Bowl. West Virginia put up like 900 yards and 70 <laughs> points, 80 points. It's just like I'm tired yeah. of Dabo Sweeney, guys. I'm, I'm sticking. If I saw him in person, I promise I would probably punch him out just to say, you know what, I got that out of my system. I've been wanting to do it for years. I just can't stand the guy. Jimbo Fisher is a class act. He, he acts like he's been there before. Even when he loses, he shows respect and everything. But Dabo's sprinting down the the thing, coming down the rock after they doing that. He's kissing, licking the rock up there. And then he, he sprints <laughs> down the hill as fast as he can. Like, I mean, I was hoping he'd bust his butt right there. I hope he'd fall and break his leg, break his neck. But it was embarrassing. I mean, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm embarrassed of my coach. I, I'm sorry. Like you said, Jonathan, you're number one. You're playing 17, and you beat them, and you're over there acting like it's like when they beat Auburn in a bowl game one time. Or no, it was it was a year in Clemson where Auburn, you know, won the national championship. The next year they they played Clemson early in the year, and Auburn sucked that year. They barely beat Utah State, and they they beat them by touchdown. And Dabo's like, "There's Clemson, South Carolina, by God!" And I'm like, "What? And you just beat a terrible <laughs> Auburn team?" I mean, it's like, come on. And I just don't get it, Jonathan. Do you, do you think Clemson can lose the rest of the year? Do you honestly? Could North Carolina get them? Is there anybody over on your other side that could get them before the playoff? Because if anybody has an easy road, it looks like to me, it's Clemson. But I do know Clemson can choke. And when after Jonathan goes, I'll get I'll get your opinion. Can they lose in this regular season? Well, and I want Dabo to remember, you know, he's the same coach who got an unfortunately conduct penalty in the first half, uh, and you just about <laughs> cried and, and, at halftime. So re- remember that, all right? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of fire towards Clemson right now, but do I think <laughs> North Carolina, who is the front runner for the ACC Coastal Division, do I think they can beat Clemson? 
Yes, North Carolina bought me yesterday. I was on the wrong side of that game, and it was it was evident real quick. North Carolina Gene has a team behind you. He has Gene Chizik turned that defense around. Job. Yeah, he saved his job, and that offense. And I asked, how did they lose? How did they lose to South uh, Carolina, Jonathan? Marquise Williams, and I swear to this to my day, Marquise Williams threw that game. You don't throw two interceptions <laughs> in the end zone to the same guy when he's alone. You don't have a receiver behind him, in front of him, to the left, and to the right of him. I mean, he hit Sky Moore in the chest twice in the end zone. I swear Marquise threw that game or had a concussion and nobody wanted to admit it. It looked pitiful. But yesterday, that North Carolina team proved a lot. I think that defense is solid. I think that quarterback, now that for some reason he's the opposite of what he was at the beginning of the year, and the receivers have always been there. He's always had running backs. This is a very dangerous North Carolina team. And I'm telling you right now, Clemson better be getting ready because they're going to throw on them. They're going to throw on them often. They're going to run trick plays. I mean, they open with a flea flicker. This is a fun team to watch. They can beat them. Now, would I bet on them to beat Clemson? Maybe, maybe if my emotions got to me, yeah, I hate that Clemson. But at the end of the day, I think Clemson's going to make the playoffs, and then I think they're going to get skull drugged, smacked, roofed, tossed, chewed up, spit out, stomped on, and then defecated on by whoever they play in the opening game. This is just—I mean, just God, I hate Clemson now. How can you not, man, Clemson? John, Quinn, you you know, Notre Dame's a better football team, like Jonathan described last week on the show, the monsoon, um, just the bad conditions, Clemson at home. You put Notre Dame on a dry field against Clemson and they're skull dragging them, man. Notre Dame's for real. And I'm this is the first time you've ever heard me say that in the years that I've been on this program. Quinn, Notre Dame's for real, man. They they have a good coach. Van Gorder, the porn stash defensive coordinator that Auburn ran off, because I always told people how good of a defensive coordinator he was. He just he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Van Gorder is a tough-as-nails defensive coordinator. Brian Kelly's yeah. a top three or four coach in America, Quinn. I mean, this guy's amazing. Yeah, Coach Kelly is good. And then with Clemson's remaining schedule, you know, next – this, this coming Saturday is, uh, is I think, kind of could be a workout game for him coming off a big, huge emotional win against Florida State. And I think they go to, to Syracuse, and it's hard playing at Syracuse. I, I could see him being in a battle at Syracuse. Um, I would say oh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Syracuse pulled that up, so. Quinn, hold on, Jonathan. <laughs> Quinn, don't don't get my hopes up, man. Don't get my hopes up because if Syracuse beats Clemson, I'm running up there and I'm and I'm dancing <laughs> on some grave. I mean that that no, that no, would no, be I, icing on the cake. I I send gift baskets to everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I thought I thought Quinn said that. I'm sorry. I thought Quinn said that Syracuse would beat Notre Dame, and I forgot they're not playing. I apologize, Quinn. I was like. Hold on a minute. Notre Dame's not losing to Syracuse. Come on now. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Quinn. I, I was like, oh, hold on. Who 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 took over Quinn's Quinn's body right here? And is that Jason <laughs> Humphrey? Talking that yeah. Where's Jason Humphrey after the big Oregon Duck win? 
Now this team shows what a what a quarterback can do for you. Oregon's actually a pretty good team. Will they beat Stanford? No, they're not going to beat Stanford. They're going to get railroaded. They're going to get skull drugged physically, and it's okay. Notre Dame's going to take care of Stanford. It's going to knock the Pac-12 out. Uh, I think Notre Dame's going to get the playoffs, so. Jonathan. Jonathan, yeah. if, if Notre Dame wins out, if Notre Dame wins out, they're in the playoffs. I'm going to predict it right now. Are you going to say yes or no to that? Um, uh, you put me on the spot. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can say that. Uh, for some reason, and just go with me here. If Houston wins out, for some reason, I still have a uh, some slim hope that. Oh. They're 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 somehow going to try. The committee's going to try and backdoor them in. I I don't think it's going to happen. You know what? Right, screw it. I'm jumping on it. Well, Notre Dame wins uh, out, over. and the Pac-12 <laughs> eats it, and the Big 12 eats itself alive, like we all think it will. Notre Dame's not just a four seed. We can be talking about them being a three or a two. Well, yeah, here's I, the deal. I want to get about... that rematch with Clemson so bad. I That'll actually be the first time I root for Notre Dame. That'll be the first time I root for Notre Dame. Y'all get Clemson. <laughs> because I would I would love for them to get in a neutral site, and I, th- and I think Notre Dame would beat them by 10-plus points, especially with this team with, like, a month to pre- with like a month to prepare. Three or four, like, three weeks to prepare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fun to see what's going to happen. And in this coming up weekend, we've got some games that, you know, are, are going to be tough. I know people are talking about Mississippi State, Jonathan, at Alabama, or hosting Alabama. I still don't see Alabama with much trouble against Prescott. He doesn't have enough weapons, does he? I mean, am I missing something here? I think Alabama, they're only – I mean, you got to be aware. You go into Starkville. That's a tough place to play, no doubt. So I think if you look at the the Iron Bowl, that's the that's the game I'm kind of circling to say, watch. I mean, havoc could happen if, if Alabama loses. What if Alabama loses to Auburn? LSU with one loss wins the SEC, so they went out and they're in the playoff all of a sudden. So LSU fans out there, don't don't give up just yet, guys. Anything can happen right now. If you're LSU, you're disappointed. You're down and out. But, but Jonathan, I mean, can LSU beat Arkansas the way Arkansas is playing right now? Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss's defense, people are talking about how great it is and all that jazz, and you saw what TCU did to the, it. The land, so, the land farts, not the land sharks. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just going to call it the minnows at this point. Uh, I mean, it's just you know, all Miss every year I'm trying to buy them and trying to believe in them, and every year their stupid coach does something stupid and makes you believe that they, you know, he's a stupid coach who does stupid things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and you know, I'm going, you know what? At the end of the day, I think I'm a firm believer at this point that Arkansas, you know, was gifted that game, and that there's no way that. Uh, that Arkansas is going to beat LSU. LSU is going to come out mad, and they're just going to smoke them. Skull Dragon, man. I don't know. Arkansas is a weird team. Ole Miss, Quinn, where do they go from here? I mean, Hugh Freeze is a coach that I've never bought into, and I've always told you all that. And where do they go from here? 
I mean, how are you going to keep these guys motivated? All their dreams and hopes down the drain, whereas Auburn started off bad and actually had to keep playing. Now Ole Miss is at the end of their season, and they've really it's, – it's like Auburn losing to A&M last year. Remember, Quinn, once that happened, Auburn fell off the map for a few weeks and just went into a lull. They came back against Alabama and looked pretty good, but Ole Miss could be in some serious trouble right now. Yeah, and it's just about getting your team up to finish out the season strong and try and bring some momentum into the next year. It's really all you can do at this point. I mean, I find it sad that so many that teams like A and M and uh and Ole Miss peak peak at like early to mid October and then and then level off or go downhill. Think it's that all the about coaches November, would, man. would look at what they're doing because it because it happens like every year. Yeah, is it is it Jonathan? Is that conditioning? You think is that workouts? Is that what is going on? Because you see Alabama, they always start slow, kind of, and, and build momentum up. Auburn, anytime they've been good, they started off slow and got better and better and peaked late. These teams that peak early, you look at them right now, they're gone, all of them. Nobody that peaked early is still around. Utah, see ya, bitches. Uh, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, all these teams. What is it? Is it workout? Is it mentality? What is it? I think it's just bad coaching. You know, they, they get these kids all ready and gunned up for September, and they just they run them through the mud. They, they exhaust everything in their playbook, every little trick play they had for off, you know, from offense to defense, any, any chance they had to catch anybody by surprise is anything. They they show their whole hand before, you know, it's even time. And, I, you know, you just see it time and time again. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that this is just poor coaching year in, year out, because it's become a thing. And, that you know, if it wasn't a pattern, then, you know, I'd be you know willing to say, well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, they're not that good. But I, I, it's got to be coaching. Yeah, and, and you know, Ole Miss putting up 70-plus points on those two first opponents, really, why? I mean, why do you do that? Why do you do that to your defense to put them out on the field a lot? I, I just think Ole Miss is very poorly coached. I look at Mississippi State, I think they're very well coached. You look at Arkansas, I think they, they had some growing pains. Uh, like Quinn, I told you, them losing that number one running back was going to hurt them. It did until they learned that Brandon Allen's going to have to start carrying them. And, boy, Jonathan, a 400-plus yard game from Brandon Allen. I mean, <laughs> that kid's a pretty good quarterback. I could see him. Who, who knows? What if he's some third string in the NFL and one day he's, he's smart? He gets a chance to play as a backup. You never know. He may have a, a job pretty soon. I'm very impressed with Brandon Allen. Well, and that was the whole thing about Brandon Allen coming back and this was going to be a sports year in the system and, you know, he's the undenied leader of that team. I think there were just certain things you saw with him that, you know, the talent's there. He's just got to learn how to execute. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see why, uh, you know, Brandon Allen can't be, uh, you know, a good quarterback. And I think if he was on a good team, that this kid would be getting a lot more buzz, you know, especially if he was on a team that had more weapons for him. And I think that's one of his biggest problems is that there's not a lot of weapons on it, especially in the receiving core for him. Yeah, it's a lot of tight ends and stuff. But, you know, it goes to show, look, November is a man's month. If you're if you're a true team, and that's Auburn's first game, November they won. 
This is the toughest month. This shows what kind of heart you have, what kind of coaching you have, what kind of dedication. I mean, we're going to see how good Alabama is in November. They started it off last night. LSU showed me they weren't ready for that kind of stage. And and a loss like that, Jonathan, could be what keeps LSU out of a playoff game. And that's a playoff environment. That's a playoff game right there. And you just laid an egg, a golden egg. And it's just so hard to forget in November. This loss didn't happen in September. It's in November. And and that's why LSU is going to have to have a little help, I think, to get in there. Even if they win the SEC, it could be still tough because I just don't think the SEC is that strong up top. I, I just think there's still a lot of question marks right now. Florida, like Quinn says, the Florida – loses to Florida State and beats the SEC West champion, nobody's getting in. So we'll see, yeah. guys. We'll be back on Wednesday night, Veterans Day. We may do one a little earlier since I'm off work that day. Uh, how did y'all's Veterans Day look? Wide open. Well, maybe we'll do a day show then or something. Ooh. Do something and preview some games or something. Wednesday, yeah. Veterans Day is Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm off work. Thank God for veterans. Yeah. Well, I need a day I off for my dad, so he'll probably make me work that day. So, <laughs> plus I have, plus I have a dentist appointment that day, so that night, so probably like six or seven would work for me. All right, we may do it in the early evening hours then. Well, guys, take care. We'll be back on Wednesday. I'll let y'all know the time. Great show. Great numbers. We'll talk to y'all soon. Jonathan, enjoy it. And it's okay. Florida State, it's okay to have a down year every now and then. Two-loss team, if that's your down year, then you're pretty damn good. So it'll be okay. I promise you, man. Everybody take care. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. All right, y'all.